Hey lady, I am so freaking jazzed that you're here. My name is Emily and I am a clinical social worker deeply passionate about what's going on in between our ears. I am here to help build up your toolbox against self-doubt, social comparison, and nasty self-talk to help keep you kind to your mind. You know, we all have something going on in that noggin of ours that isn't always kind. So let's put in the legwork and flex those mindset muscles so that we can move the mountains we were meant to freaking move. Let's go. Hey there, hot stuff. Welcome back to the Kind Mind Project. My name is Emily. If I have not been you before. And if you are coming back for another round of the Kind Mind Project, thank you for, uh, first of all, investing in the Kind Mind Project itself, but also doing your part in spreading the Kind Mind message. So before we even get started today, if this episode speaks to you in any way, my hope is that you share it with one of the women around you that can also benefit from this episode today because I've been noticing that we've had some gaps in our Kind Mind content that I haven't provided you with yet. So my hope is that I fill in one of those gaps today. Something that I've noticed a lot lately is this idea of conflict getting way too out of hand. I've noticed this in the work I do as a therapist. I've noticed this in my my personal life and the conflict that I am involved in and also witness other people be involved in. I've noticed so many things over the past couple of years especially that I have been a hell of a lot more intentional with when it comes to conflict and also have witnessed other people really fall victim to the conflict sort of spiral that we experience. So I want to chat with you today about the ways that we get pulled back in to that conflict cycle, but also the ways that we can get back on track. How can we disagree productively? Because here's the thing, disagreeing is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It it tells us that we have different opinions and experiences and outlooks and that is what makes this world so interesting and and freaking incredible to be a part of right that we are different that we do have different experiences and opinions and insights and uh, perspectives to bring to the table but it gets a little bit tricky when that disagreement becomes conflictual it gets tricky to navigate and I I know I'm not the only person in the world that has found themselves in an argument where you go around in circles and circles and circles to the point where you don't even really know what you're talking about anymore. You don't even remember how the fight started or what the disagreement was or what the goal was of the conversation. You get so far off track that the conflict is not productive. It's not doing something for us. At this point, we're just yelling at each other and and we're angry and it's not getting anywhere. I know I'm not the only person that's experienced that. I bring this up today because first of all, I want to normalize fighting, <laughs> okay? I, I want to 
be the person that is bold enough to say, you know what, I fight with my partner. I have fought with my parents. I've had disagreements with my partner. I've had disagreements with the people in my life. It happens, right? It happens. That doesn't make it wrong or embarrassing. That makes us human, okay? That's that's a part of our human experience. If you come to me and you say, well, me and my partner, we never fight, ever. We never fight. We've never fought, ever. I, I'm going to be concerned a little bit. I think there is something to be said about a relationship that can disagree productively. So my hope is that we can bring to our attention today some ways that we get pulled in the wrong direction when it comes to conflict and also some ways that we can put ourselves back on track. How can we engage in conflict or disagreement productively and in a helpful way? Now, today I'm going to come from the framework of a couple or a partner relationship, right? Because that's immediately what I think of, right? My fiance and I are in the process of planning a wedding and and starting our lives together. And I have never loved that man more. We also have never fought more in our relationship. And by fought, I mean had disagreements and tiffs and days that we're not proud of, right? That That is a part of being in a relationship and, and learning how to love through the difficult shit, right? But there are some ways that I've seen us and other couples that I've worked with as a therapist or otherwise that I've seen really make their conflict worse, where they've really given into this conflict spiral. And the first of which is getting stuck in this all or nothing thinking when we are in some kind of a conflict together. What I mean by this is oftentimes when we are in a argument or a disagreement or some kind of altercation, right? When we're discussing our grievances of a relationship, we tend to speak in a way that doesn't leave room for gray, right? It doesn't allow for... um gray of any kind. It's really like an either or kind of conversation. And we know, sitting back in and looking at this with a clear head right now, we know that life is not like that, right? Life is not black and white. Life is not um, either or. There are so many nuances to every interaction that we have. But when we are in a state of conflict, our brain likes to go to that either or space. So the first thing I want to bring to you today is to urge you, if you are in a stage of conflict, some kind of disagreement, really catch yourself. Really catch yourself when you find yourself going to this either or, all or nothing kind of space. Catch yourself and be able to say, you know what? I know that it's not all this or all that. I know that I am not all right and they are all wrong. I know that. I know that there are ways that I have messed up. There are ways that they have messed up. There are ways that it has not gone exactly the way that I'm communicating it right now. There are shades of gray. And that's able to pull us back onto the right track. Because here's what happens with that all or nothing thinking. The second we lock into that, it pulls us off the path of what that conversation was intended for, and it puts us into a space of 
bashing almost, right? We get in that either or kind of space and it's like you're either right or you're wrong and I'm going to tell you, right? And maybe all of our conflictual spaces don't look like this, but I imagine you can think of something right now, some source of conflict right now where you found yourself locking into either right or wrong, yes or no, instead of the way that the conversation was intended. The way that the conversation even started, maybe you are like me and the conflict started with a dish that was left in the sink, right? And all of a sudden you're talking about two months ago when blah blah happened and it didn't even pertain to the situation, but it escalated to a point of I am going to point out all of the things that are either this or this, right or wrong, yes or no, and that gets us so far off track that we can't come to a solution. So that's number one, that all or nothing thinking. The other thing that I really want you to pay attention to is words like always or never, must or should. Those words really like to screw with us when it comes to conflict. Those overgeneralizations that we hear ourselves saying, you always think about yourself. You never think about me, right? Those, those statements that we know in, in the moment, maybe not so much, maybe we're feeling it fully, right? But we know that's not true. That goes back to that black and white thinking space, that, that space that we know is not going to be productive for us. When you see something that your partner did as always being true, We often use words like never, always, all, every, or none. When you're hearing yourself, that's that's a really good indicator that, oh, we might have to take a step back here because we're getting off track. We're getting off track. We're not thinking on the macro level of things. This conflict started by one instance, right? So let's stick to that one instance. Hey, Home Fry, let me just pop in really quick into today's episode and to remind you that the Kind Mind text list is waiting to get at your fingertips. So if you are not already on the Kind Mind text list, if you are looking for some kind words throughout your week, please go to the description of this podcast episode and get your booty on the text list. I have been dropping some drips of honey sort of journal prompts that have been really fun to sift through with you. So get your booty over there, get on the Kind Mind text list, and let's continue that growth beyond podcast listening into action. All right, let's get back to today's episode. So that's number two. Number two, overgeneralizing everything. Right, number three for us is this idea of personalization. And if these sound familiar to some of the thinking traps that we've talked about in previous episodes, that's because it is, right? We apply it to everything that we know and that includes conflict. So when your partner does something negative or the person that you're engaging in conflict with does something negative, you ascribe meaning, undue meaning, to this being about you. Maybe you say to yourself, they did that because they don't care about me. They did that because they don't want me to have time to relax. They did that because they want to hurt me, right? We attribute this meaning to something that isn't there. It's just not there. We personalize it. We make it about us. 
these actions that occur that aren't about us that we attribute meaning to. When you hear yourself start to do this, instead of ascribing that meaning, we need to ask. We need to ask. We need to get clarification. So there have been many times where I have asked someone in my life, hey, I saw you do that the other day. Was that because of me? Was that because of me? Did I did I play a part in that or, or was that something else? Right? Because the second I ask that question, I'm able to get an answer. I give them an opportunity to say, yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. Right? And then I know. But I have not attributed meaning to an action until I know that it's due to be attributed. Right? Because in the middle of a conflict, in the middle of some form of tension or disagreement, you have those meanings going on in the background that might not be warranted, but they're there influencing things. They're there influencing your perspective and what you say next to this person and how you feel about the conflict in general. It plays a role, right? So we need to make sure that that meaning is attributed properly. So that's number three personalization. Let's make sure that we are giving meaning to the things that actually deserve the meaning, right? And number four is this idea of tunnel vision. You only seeing information that fits with how you already think and feel, how you already think this conflict should go, what you already think the resolution should be, what your expectations are of how this is going to happen, Right? If you are so locked in on your perspective, honeyhead, I love you so much, but you're not going to get anywhere. If you are so locked in to your perspective and your perspective alone, you're not going to get anywhere. And more importantly, if your perspective was the only one that mattered, this conflict wouldn't exist. The reason you're having this point of contention, this point of tension at all is because there are many perspectives in the room. There are many perspectives that matter and that need to be considered. So we have to resist that urge to fall into this tunnel vision that tends to screw us, right? Because if we are are blinded from all of the other possibilities, all of the other experiences and and potential solutions and perspectives, we're not going to get to those places we need to go. We're not going to find a solution. Those won't even be an option for us because we won't be able to see them. So that's our fatal four. Our fatal four mistakes that we've been making when it comes to conflict and, and, and the ways that we are actually making our conflict worse in ways that we don't have to, right? That all or nothing thinking, Being in a place of seeing things as either right or wrong, yes or no, black or white, that all or nothing thinking, hearing things in our language of overgeneralization, so catching ourselves when we are saying things like never, always, all or every or none, right? None of the time you support me. You are always thinking about yourself, catching ourselves when we say that because we know that those extremes are not accurate. And they also influence the duration of the conflict. Number three, this idea of personalization, giving meaning to things that are not warranted. 
right? Making things about us that are not about us. <laughs> and lastly, that idea of tunnel vision. Seeing only the information that fits the way that you think and the way that you feel and the solution that you have in mind. Right? We got to take those blinders off so we can see all the possibilities, all the experiences and all the perspectives that are in the room. Now here's the thing. We are going to ask ourselves how the heck do I get it back on track when I haven't noticed these things soon enough, right? When I haven't caught myself soon enough. And maybe it's not one of these four things, but it's something else. Maybe it's something else that you've realized. Maybe you've realized your tone or the way that you're speaking to this person. Doesn't matter. How can we get our conflict back on track? Here are some phrases that I think we can use to get us back on track when it comes to conflict. I have three for you. First of all, we can say something like this. Hey, I can see that you're getting overwhelmed. What do you need to stay in this conversation? Now I hear a lot from that simple phrase, right? Let me tell you again. I can see that you're getting overwhelmed. What do you need to stay in this conversation? One that recognizes the other person's experience. And two, it asks them in the moment of conflict, even when we are disagreeing, hey, I see that you're not doing well. What do you need to stay in this conversation and find a solution? Honestly, it does two things. Well, a couple of things, really. When we're able to not only check in on them, and show, hey, I want to provide you with what you need to to get to a solution here so that you can stay in this conversation and get to a solution. But it also allows us to refocus on what matters, right? We get so sidetracked on, oh, I'm right and you're wrong and blah, blah, blah. No, that phrase alone allows us to get back to what matters, Hey, what do you need to stay in this conversation? What do you need to stay in this conversation and find a solution? So that's phrase number one for you. Number two, in this situation, maybe you have found yourself using a tone that you're not very proud of or speaking in a way that you're not very proud of. And will you say something like this? Hey, I'm sorry I yelled. Can I try that again in a gentler, more appropriate way. Man, difficult for us to say in real time, right? I don't know about you, but I'm stubborn. (laughs) My fiance will tell you I'm stubborn. I get caught up sometimes in the justice of it all, right? I'm not proud of it. Difficult in the moment to say, hey, I heard that I just yelled at you. Right? I didn't like that. Can I try that again? Can I try to get my point across in a more appropriate way? That allows me to reset. It also shows them, hey, I realize the way that I just spoke to you. Can I take that down a notch and try again? Right? So that's number two. Number three, this one is a little trickier, I think, um, and sometimes a hell of a lot more impactful. It goes like this. (laughs) It hurts when you shut down. Can we sit here together and watch a TV show and try talking again when it's over? Maybe we don't say exactly that. Maybe we say something similar and say, you know what? 
it it really hurts me when you shut down. Can we take a break for this conversation and come back in 10 minutes when we've both cooled down a little bit? I bring up this third one because I think there is something so, so powerful about taking a freaking time out. I think there's something so powerful about being able to say, hey, my energy and your energy are not doing well right now. We're in a situation where we're not being productive. Can we take a minute, take a step back, take a step away and get our heads right to come back and actually find a solution? Because I don't know about you, but I found myself in situations where you are trying so hard (laughs) to find a solution or a resolution, but at that point, both parties are so escalated and angry and frustrated that we know it's not going to get anywhere. So sometimes the most impactful thing we can do is take a time out for both parties to say, yep, I think it's going to be more productive for us to take a step away, to agree upon a time to come back and reassess when we're feeling more calm, when we're feeling more level-headed, more able to work towards a solution. So, my friend, do not be afraid of taking a time out. Make sure that you agree upon a time to come back and reassess, right? To come back and work towards that solution. We're not walking away from it forever, but we are saying, hey, can we take a time out? And in 15, 20, 30 minutes, after we both get some space and some air, can we come back and reconvene? So I hope that one or all or some of those phrases are helpful for you. I hope that you commit them to memory and really allow yourself to utilize them in your next stage of conflict so that we can get back on track, so that we can resist some of those conflictual thinking traps that we find getting in our way and holding us back and derailing the conflict as a whole. I know how much it sucks to, in the moment, be thinking, damn, we're not getting anywhere. We're not getting anywhere, and this is terrible, and I'm so locked in on this, and they're so locked in on this, and it it sucks. It sucks, and it's draining, and it's hurtful for both parties, and it's an awful thing to experience. What I think can be powerful is when we use that conflict productively. Productively to find a solution so that both parties are having their needs met. So that both parties are in a place where they feel at peace with the solution. Right? That's making sure that both parties are consulted with, hey, what do you need in this situation? What do you need to feel good about this solution? Right? This is one of those things that I feel like I could talk to you about for ages, but I'll leave it at that today. I'll leave it at that. Some ways to get us back on track and some things to be mindful of in our next stage of conflict. Here's the thing, dude. You know I'm not going to have you leave this episode without you having some kind of accountability, right? Some kind of accountability to come back to me and say, hey, um, I implemented this or this is what stood out to me right? I want you to jump on over to your Instagram story and I want you to tell me one way that you plan to implement these things in the future. 
How do you plan to shift your experiences in conflict? And I also encourage you to do your part in normalizing the fact that we do experience conflict. It's a little scary to sit here and say, you know, yeah, my fiance and I, we fight sometimes. Yeah, we fight sometimes because I think social media likes to glamorize the soon-to-be-married experience or or relationships in general, right? But I I want you to do your part in in normalizing that as well. Help me out here, okay? (laughs) I can't do this alone. But until next time, I hope that you stay kind to your mind, stay kind to the people around you, and I'll talk to you soon. Dude, thank you so much for including the kind mind and this freaking weirdo in your growth journey. If you connected with today's episode, I would love to hear about it. So slide on over into my Instagram DMs at Emily and the kind mind and let a girl know. Okay. But until then, I will talk to you very soon. I love you so much and you stay kind to that freaking mind.